Check this out, y'all. Audio level full volume. It's go time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Border Border, 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here on a Friday here in the capital city. It is a gorgeous day outside. Hopefully you are getting out of work early to enjoy it. Uh, If your boss asks you why, just say I allowed you to, or I think you should. Um, So we got a lot to get into on the show today. A couple of guests coming up at 315. You know what we do on a Friday uh, during the football season. Tim Murray will join us uh, at one Tim Murray on Twitter. We'll get his thoughts on all the um, uh, we'll get more thoughts on what's going on in the college football world with him and we'll talk about some uh, NHL and not some NHL, NFL with him and uh, so he'll join us at 315 and at 3.30 Kevin Sheehan will join the show We'll get his thoughts on the Commanders, their chances this weekend, where he thinks about the future and everything, and just get his thoughts on a lot of different things in general. Kevin Sheehan will join us at 3.30. That is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code. And the reason why I seem somewhat distracted is, I mean, this, this Michigan story is just insane. So it just goes in so many different directions. Let's, let's, let's first kind of go here with the update here. I think a lot of people saw the picture of the guy in the sideline in the Central Michigan game that looks a lot like Connor Stallions. And I feel like if we kind of, you know, do that thing that people do on the internet where they change pictures slightly, alter it, and then other people copy and tweet and retweet, then we kind of make this some sort of, like, thing that just keeps going on and on and on. I, I if it, I've said it all along, and I'll continue to say, if they needed to cheat to beat Central Michigan or Michigan State this year, then they deserve every punishment they get. Here's the newest thing that's literally going around the internet right now, and once again, I give you the same um, disclaimer. I give you the same disclaimer that I always do. My job is to give you the information. Whether it's true or not, that is not on me. I merely tell you that as someone who surfs the internet, 24-7, I have to tell you what the latest thing is. So this story coming out of uh, the Wolverine.com, which tells you a little bit about where it's coming from. Several sources at Michigan and in the media tell the Wolverine.com they are gathering evidence on two private investigators they believe are behind the investigation to UM's alleged illegal on-site scouting. The same sources also believe the two are responsible for the media leaks that have kept the story in the news for weeks. Both allegedly have ties to Ohio State head coach Ryan Day and his family. Bum, bum, bum. I mean, like, this is just amazing. This whole thing's just amazing. It's going to become a movie, for, mostly because we're just not creative anymore when it comes to movies. We just either take remakes or we just look at the news and like, oh, people, you know, the Uber thing that's on. I don't know what it's on. It's in Netflix or whatever. And then they make an Uber movie out of it. This is going to be a movie soon. Totally Adam McKay directed. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, this is just going to be one of those things. Um, and now everybody's putting pressure on the the conference to do something about it. I, I don't think you can do that. I understand the wide scope of this in terms of, like, if they make the playoffs and win the national championship and then you have to yank it away from him, 
yeah, I understand that would be tough to, to look at, but you also need to have enough evidence and you have to have enough things, not circumstantial evidence that somebody related to an Ohio State football coach just presents. So I just, I don't know. This whole story is just ridiculous to me. It's just ridiculous. As, as I said, and I will continue to say, your school is cheating somehow, whether it's on the small scale or on the large scale, your school is cheating somehow. Except for the Spiders. I'm, no, they're cheating too. But listen to their games here on 1061 ESPN. The, everybody is doing something that if we checked the under the closet and in the closets, under the beds, all the skeletons and stuff, it all come out. College football, college athletics would cease to exist because if we took any programs that were clean completely, there'd be like five of them. Five of them. There'd be like one program in the Midwest, one in the Northeast, one all over the place. That's it. But we choose to pick and choose who we decide to expose. Uh, the other thing that's happening tonight, and you guys know where I stand on this, tonight's the start of the NBA in-season tournament. There's seven games tonight, and basically, I believe they said there's like four different, every Friday in the month of November is designated NBA in-season tournament time. And for those who aren't familiar, the NBA is breaking their groups down. They broke this down into four or five divisions, the winners of the divisions, they head to Vegas, there's like two wild cards, It's it, whatever. It's ridiculous and stupid. But tonight is the start of the NBA in-season tournament, and if you're like my producer AJ, who bought NBA inside or League Pass just to watch this thing, shows me you have too much money, AJ. You've been clearly doing other jobs, because if you worked here alone, you'd have nothing, like the rest of us who work in radio. So, um, yes, the NBA in-season tournament begins tonight. I don't know. I don't really care. Uh, it's not going to get me to watch anything specifically. It's not like I wasn't going to watch these games anyway or was. It doesn't matter. But the NBA in-season tournament begins tonight. Uh, there's also college football tonight. It's loosely ACC. Syracuse and BC are playing tonight in Syracuse. The Orange are two and a half point favorites. They stink. Boston College is not very good. They stink. And uh, so that game is on tonight as well as Colorado State and Wyoming. Last night we had um, last night we had the great game between Wake and Duke. I can honestly say Wake choked last night. Wake should have won that game. They gave up ten points in the fourth quarter. They literally had a bunch of penalties. It was a bad look for Wake last night. And Duke, who started their third string quarterback, got the victory. I mean, this is not you your what? How many times have you seen that though? Wake does that all the time. <sighs> this season, it feels like. They had their starting Duke's starting quarterback went seven of nineteen for eighty-six yards, had a touchdown and an interception. Somehow they won the game. This just shows you Duke's a football school, clearly. I mean, this is where we are. We're now Duke is a football school and basketball just kind of takes up time until Duke football begins the next season. So that's what happened yesterday. Um Duke is now three and two in conference. Wake is one and five. And this is an important game this uh, with uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia, as we talked about, Florida State's 6-0, Louisville's 4-1, Virginia Tech's 3-1, Georgia Tech and North Carolina and Duke are all 3-2. Then there's Miami, BC, and NC State all 2-2. Two two. That's it. Those are the only teams that have a shot. Clemson's been eliminated. They're 2-4 in conference. So, well, clarity will start happening. I mean, look, Florida State would have to do terrible things the rest of the season to not be in the ACC title game. Remember, they only have two conference games left, and it's at Pitt and against Miami. They'd have to lose both of those games and then have all sorts of tiebreakers go against them. So I could pretty much safely say, if you're a Florida State fan, book your tickets for Charlotte because you're going to the ACC title game. 
If you're anybody else, any one of those other six teams or so that I said, well, you got a shot. We'll see what happens. Uh, Virginia Tech, a healthy underdog at Louisville this weekend. I don't believe in either team, really. I, I don't believe in Tech, and I certainly don't believe in Louisville. But we'll see what happens. Um, that's coming up this uh, this weekend. We'll get into that with Tim Murray, and uh, I'll give you my thoughts and predictions as well. Uh, let's go to the phones. Uh, I, I mentioned the NBA. That means our next uh, ga- caller is on the phone. Uh, Bruce, what's going on, Bruce? Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. You have to love your pessimism, Matt. You just have to love it. But, Matt, just for some clarification, so each Tuesday and Friday throughout the month of November, beginning this evening, there will be games for the play-in tournament. And each Eastern and Western Conference has been broken up into three banks of teams, if you will. But the goal is, as you know, and hopefully it will work on you, Matt, the goal is to bring some excitement to the regular season and direct competition with the NFL. And so that's the goal. The championship will be in December, I believe, December 7th is the semifinals. December the 9th, I believe, it will be the championship out in Vegas. But I'm predicting, Matt, and I said this, I'm predicting Philly will win the first or the initial in season two. And Philly is just, I like what they've done, Matt, as I said earlier this week. I like their moves. And I like the way Embiid is playing, and I like the way Max is playing. So I have Philly winning the first in-season tournament. And I think it's going – I'm looking forward to it. The new courts, the new uniforms, I'm hyped as AJ is. All right, Bruce, thank you. Um, I'm sorry to not share your enthusiasm. They're They're just games to me. They're, they're just games. But, yes, Bruce is correct. Tuesdays and Fridays every day during November will be these quote-unquote in-season tournament games. The Sixers don't have James Harden anymore. That was the lone motivation to go to Vegas was James Harden. Now he can now he's going to motivate the Clippers instead. Um, but, yes, go to NBA.com if you want to learn all this stuff. But, to me, it's not going to get me to watch anything spectacular involving these tournaments just because they're trying to put in tournament form. But I appreciate anybody who does like AJ and Bruce. Let's take a timeout. We will talk a little college football, a little pro football. Tim Murray will join us next, 1061 ESPN. Forget to tune in today? We've got you covered. You can find full replays of all our shows and interviews at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here on a Friday. I mean, I'm, I will not look down on anybody who shares the optimism for the NBA in-season tournament. I just, uh, it's just not me. I just, college basketball is about to begin and college football is awesome. And we have college football almost every day of the week. And so um, I just, I, I can't fit the NBA in. I just, I can't do it. It's just not going to happen. Uh, we got a lot of college football. We're in week 10 of the college football season. That's really sad because that means we're closer to the end. And uh, we got some NFL as well, an intriguing game involving the Commanders. Uh, joining us now, as he does almost every 3.15 on a Friday. You can see him on VSIM primetime, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. Follow him on Twitter, at 1TimMurray. Tim, what's going on? On the... Uh... The week 10 nature, I can't believe it, man. This is sad. 
It is very sad, but we do have some intriguing matchups, and as we oh, always yeah. do, we'll start in the state. We'll start with the ACC schools. Uh, any interest in Tech at Louisville and Virginia at home against Georgia Tech? Um, some interesting games there, to say the least. You know, I kind of like Virginia Tech um, in this spot. I, I think it's an in- intriguing spot for the Hokies. Um, you know, getting 10 at some spots, Matt. I, I just, you know, I, and I think you could say the same about Virginia Tech and I don't, I don't know how good Louisville is yet. You know, they're ranked what twelfth by the committee. Um, you know, the schedule's pretty fortunate, um, but I, I think I think Virginia Tech can be feisty uh, in this particular spot. I think Louisville has in their two victories over quality foes, Notre Dame and, and Duke. I thought they've got them in, in advantageous spots. So I think the Hokies could uh, could potentially be live here. I think this is an intriguing spot for them. And if you can get double digits uh, with the Hokies, I think that's worth a look. Um, how about, well, I mean, we talk about them every week, and we talk about how the market can't figure them out. James Madison, uh, with the, probably their toughest game of the season left, they're at Georgia State down in Sleepy Turner Field. Um, mm-hmm. You know, JMU about five, five and a half, six-point favorite in this one. Yeah, I mean, we finally, uh, if you bet against them, you finally got to the window last weekend as uh, they did not cover the big number against ODU. I, I, I actually, I think this is a good spot for JMU. Um, you know, you know more about the Sun Belt probably than, than I do. Um, but, you know, just judging by the market, it's starting to, to go with James Madison while we've seen other spots go against them. I think with JMU, you, you kind of find the spots where you know they they might you know like last weekend right where maybe it wasn't a game where they were massively up but this to me seems to be a spot where they're they're going to be pretty you know ready to go against Georgia State and while they can't play for a conference championship as we know um you know for them to to dominate their division i think would be you know a spot so i would look if anything look at the dukes here uh in this spot as like a six five and a half point favorite it feels like this this is a good spot to maybe look at the dukes so we had the first college football playoff rankings come out, and I think the group of five uh, winner is going to be an interesting race. Obviously, Tulane and Air Force, and I guess Liberty is somewhere on the outside looking in. Are we looking to take advantage of those teams trying to run the score up and impress the committee? Air Force has Army. Tulane uh, is on the road as well this weekend. I think for Tulane and, and the American Athletic Conference, I think they've got enough cachet where they just need a win um and you know what's interesting is when you look at the american athletic conference tulane is a team that is not the favorite well they're the co-favorite um when you look at the uh the futures book with with smu i think air force maybe could be the situation where you could see them because you know their numbers are so low uh with strength of schedule um, where where you could see them trying to, to run things up. And then you mentioned Liberty. I, I don't think Liberty really has a shot to, to represent the group of five in the New Year's Six just because the strength of schedule is just so poor. And the fact that they're in the Conference USA, which is you know probably, Matt, them or the MAC or the two worst conferences in college football uh, based off of the metrics. Mac might be slightly worse uh, from top to bottom, but I just I think it's gonna be a really uphill battle. So maybe to your point, you do see a liberty, you know, go out and, and try to uh, you know put up some some style points, so to speak. But um, yeah, I think you know for Air Force that that's an interesting one because their schedule is really, really soft. 
uh, when you look at who they played in the non-conference situation where, you know, of course they're going to play Navy and Army. They play Army this weekend. Um, you know, I played Sam Houston State, uh, which is not going to, you know, do you any, you know, positives there. So for Air Force, though, um, you look at them, you know, they got Boise State to close out the regular season, and if they're able to win that in the uh, in the Mountain West Championship game. But, yeah, I'm fascinated to see how this ultimately plays out. Um, if I had to guess, I think – I think SMU could be uh, could be a look for who would represent the um, the group of five. I think SMU is kind of starting to get things rolling there uh, down in Dallas. Uh, all right, give us one or two things you like tomorrow. Yeah, Zay, sorry, take a sip of my coffee as we're uh, chatting. A um, couple games um, that uh, that jump out to me. Um, we'll go to. Uh, We'll go to Notre Dame Clemson. Uh, Notre Dame Clemson, um, you know, for me, I'm looking at the total in this one. Uh, we've seen it come off of the key number of 45, which I don't love. That was a bet that I made earlier this week. I think this is a low scoring game. Uh, I think, you know, I'm very curious to see what Clemson's got in store for Notre Dame in this one. Is this a, uh, you know, a Tyler from Spartanburg rallying cry where everyone uh, gets behind Dabo here and uh, you get one? One last effort out of this Clemson team who's been massively disappointing. You know the statistics don't don't match up to the record. Uh, the statistics have certainly been better, uh, except for executing right in the red zone. Uh, turnovers they they have not gone well. So as a Notre Dame fan, I'm terrified of this game. I think uh, Notre Dame is a very public play, uh, no doubt as a three point favorite, and uh, a lot of the you know. Sharper betters that I know, Matt, uh, like Clemson uh, in this spot. But I actually like it under uh, the total here. How about the move in this game? This is wild. So earlier in the week, uh, I bet Arkansas, and it is down to three points. Arkansas is playing on the road at Florida. And uh, situationally, I think it's a phenomenal spot for Arkansas. They're coming off a bye. They just fired their offensive coordinator, Dan Enos. They uh, promoted Kenny Guyton to offensive coordinator. They're going to try to go back to running a little bit of pace. And uh, Florida coming off of the uh, the loss in the cocktail party to Georgia. So you've got a rested Arkansas versus a Florida team coming off of a you know in a potential letdown spot so uh, that that's an intriguing one for me maybe probably gone a little bit too far if you still can get a three and a half I guess I'd look that way uh, and then two more real quickly um, I'm gonna probably hate myself for this bet uh, but I am uh, I am going last stand with USC I, I think you get one last ditch effort from this team, maybe the swan song for Caleb Williams, uh, and in a game with a total that is just astronomically high of 77 and a half, Matt. Um, stops are going to be at a minimum, obviously. Uh, but Washington isn't a team that really can, you know, uh, run very much. And, uh, I think USC could get a couple stops, maybe get that, some of that turnover luck from a year ago. So I'm going to hold my nose and, uh, and take the Trojans in this spot. So uh, those are a couple games that uh, that I have uh, fired on here so far this week. Yeah, I like the first quarter under. I got the ten in the the Notre Dame Clemson game. Uh, I th- I thought that was good. And then I'm pl- I was looking at Iowa State. I mean Kansas, oh, off the yeah. largest game. And yep, lar- yep. Yeah, that's on my card. Yeah, that was uh, actually the fir- the two first bets I made of the week were Notre Dame Clemson under Iowa State. Uh, I mean that was you know 
Kansas has not had not beaten Oklahoma since 1997. Had lost 18 straight games against them, and you know this is an Iowa State team that quietly is four and one in the Big 12. You know they they lost to Ohio 10 to seven. You know back in September, and since then have have started to put together some some pretty quality you know performances here. And you know even the loss to Oklahoma to me it was a game I had Iowa State I think plus 20, and they lost by 30, but. That was a spot where they had a couple pick sixes go against them. So yeah, I you know I I overlooked that Iowa State definitely on the card. Uh, just a, a classic letdown spot after you know a monumental victory there uh, for the Jayhawks last week over Oklahoma. All right, let's head to the NFL. Uh, the Commanders in another riveting game this weekend as they travel to play Mac Jones <laughs> and the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots are favored surely by the fact that they're home. Uh, any interest in this uh, barn burner of a game? It would be Washington or pass, man. I mean, the hooks have all got scooped up, so clearly some money coming into the market on Washington. So, um, you know, I'm a part of uh, a uh, you know a contest, and you know, I just want a little PSA real quickly to uh, to folks out there. Um, if you're in pick 'em contests, you know, you have an office pool or whatever it is, keep an eye on you know injury reports and keep an eye on the point spread. So, you know, very rarely, Matt. Do I like to turn in my picks early for these contests in Vegas? Because you want to wait as long as you can to get the stalest line possible. But when news comes out that Riley Leonard is not going to play for Duke, I was like, well, I have to go play Wake Forest in this particular spot. So if you're in an office pool, you know, just keep your eye out because you can end up getting a massive advantage uh, if if you're on top of things. And, you know, I'm hoping that I snuck one by some folks in, in the particular pool that I'm in and was able to get basically a free bet on Wake Forest last night because uh, that spread was uh, never in doubt. So always something to keep an eye on. But, I mean, keep an eye on, you know, your office pools. Um, you know, you might be able to get a three-and-a-half with Washington because uh, I know a lot of spots when they put out the lines earlier this week, Matt, were three-and-a-half, and now those have all gotten scooped up. So at this price, probably not interested. Um, but, you know, to me, I, I think this is a little bit of an overreaction to losing Montez Sweat and Chase Young. You know, everyone's talking about, oh, they lost Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Well, the defense stunk with those guys <laughs> you know how much worse is it going to be so you know when you look at teams like the Raiders who you know had the firing of their coach that market's moved in their direction a little bit here against the Giants and a team like Washington who you know trades away what is perceived to be two of their better players but you know you and I know Matt two defensive players like Chase Young and Montez Sweat really aren't moving the line so I actually think you might be getting Washington just a little bit on sale this week, especially if you can get them at three and a half. Uh, I got to ask you about uh, the Raiders. Uh, obviously, they fire yep. their coach. It feels like a firing though that everybody's going to be happy about, and you're you're still a favorite against the uh, the Giants. Uh, any interest in the in the team that just fired their head coach? Yeah, it kind of feels like a little bit last year, um, not as a big of a disaster as uh, the Colts hiring uh, Jeff Saturday from ESPN. Antonio Pierce was on the staff. Uh, but yeah, the, the feeling you're getting out of uh, out of uh, the practice facility is, you know, good riddance, right? I mean, De- Devontae Adams wasn't happy. And I, I do think it says something, Matt, that almost the first move that was made once Everybody was fired. So for those unaware, Las Vegas fired their head coach, Josh McDaniels, the the general manager, and the offensive coordinator, Mick Lombardi. And the first move that was made was they benched Jimmy Garoppolo for Aiden O'Connell, the rookie. So 
I don't know if that means long-term success. Probably doesn't. But it, it, it almost felt like that was a move that every player wanted. And now they're finally getting it. So, yeah, I mean, when you look at the Giants, uh, Darren Waller's going to be out. Um, Daniel Jones is back, but what does that really do? Um, I, I do kind of feel like this is that, you know, everybody comes together type of moment. Do I think Antonio Pierce long term is going to be a successful head coach for the Raiders? No, but I do think you kind of get that instant bump. So, yeah, I, I think Las Vegas would be the the look, if anything, here in this spot. Make sure to check out his stuff on Vsin Primetime, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Follow him on Twitter at one Tim Murray. And of course, the college football podcast is out. Uh, you can find the link on his uh, Twitter page. Tim, we always appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, Matt. Talk to you, man. All right, uh, that is uh, Tim Murray. Yeah, um, these lines for Sunday are ridiculous. I mean, the totals, I mean, this Giants total is going down. It's 37.5. That's the same number for the Vikings and the Falcons. There's two 38.5s out there. It's because, as a league, we are just a disaster when it comes to the quarterbacks that are starting out there. Uh, real quick, before we get to Kevin and the break, uh, Curtis Samuel and Ricky Stromberg list is out for the Commanders. Percy Butler is questionable. That is a very clean injury report for the Washington Commanders, who we will talk about next segment with our next guest, Kevin Sheehan, 1061 ESPN. Dallas Cowboys all season is 1061 ESPN. Brought to you by Arthur's Electric and Park and Go. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. And uh, Commanders getting set for the Patriots. A very nice uh, injury report. Uh, only three names on it. That's always a good thing as uh, the a team gets this far into the season. Uh, joining us now to talk about this week that was uh, for the Commanders and the game this weekend. You can hear him on the Team 980 from 10 to 1. And uh, you can also check out his podcast on Apple, Spotify, and more. The Kevin Sheehan Show podcast. Kevin, what's going on? What's up, Matt? Uh, do, on, doing well, uh, Kevin. Obviously, always good to have a injury report with only three names on it, so at least the team is healthy. Yeah, they've been pretty healthy all year, right? And when they haven't been, they've typically had you know guys that could come in and play in those spots. But I haven't looked at you know that that stat that's out there that you know is lost man games due to injuries uh, in the NFL. There's a site that tracks that, but I would imagine Washington's been as healthy as any team in the league. So what is your reaction and what has been some of the, your callers' reaction to, of course, the trades? We thought that maybe one of them was going to go. I didn't think that both of them were going to go. I didn't either, um, and I don't think Montez would have gone had they gotten a lesser offer, but I think the offer was too good. You know, it's a Chicago Bears second-round pick. That should fall somewhere between, you know, 33 and 38 when all is said and done. They're a two-and-six football team. Uh, and I think they're playing the kid from Shepherd College again this week. I don't think Justin Fields is back. I could be wrong about that. Um, and so it's closer to a first-round pick. Uh, and um, they couldn't turn that down. I do think they have been wanting to move on from Chase for a while. And if there, if that wasn't clear before this week, it's certainly clear after this week. Um, they just, I think they had had it with them, Matt and What's really interesting, and I was thinking about this, they ended up getting an end of the third round compensatory pick from the 49ers. So, you know, almost a fourth round pick, where Montez was almost a first round pick. 
I wonder if they would have dealt him if they would gotten something like a conditional fifth. I think they would have dealt him for anything. I think they've been waiting for this trade deadline. They, they, you know, they made him available to teams before the draft, and they didn't get anything worth trading him for. He had played well enough, and they thought that they had propped up his value a little bit. But this relationship was never a good one uh, with the organization. You know, uh, it may have been with Dan, uh, but we understand those relationships in the past and how they have they sabotaged uh, the operation. Uh, it just it just never really worked after his rookie year, uh, and it's a shame because I thought he had generational talent coming out. Do you think they still both would have been commanders if they beat the Eagles? No. Uh, I think that Chase Young would have absolutely still been dealt. Um, I think they couldn't wait for the trade deadline to deal him. Uh, with Sweat, uh, it's a different question with Sweat because at 4-4, four and four, you're actually in the seventh spot right now. Um, and they could have maybe made the case to uh, Josh Harris and Eugene Chen and their analytics people that, hey, you know, we got a chance to make a run. Did you see how well Sam played, you know, on Sunday? We got a win over one of the best teams in the league. Uh, we, we can make a run here. Maybe, maybe they would have turned down, you know, a, an early second-round pick and kept sweat. But um, I think Chase, they were dealing all along. Do you think, and this is something I've been kind of bringing up the past couple of weeks, do you think that this team and Josh Harris is treating this as a gap year? Because they probably should have fired Jack or Ron potentially after the Chicago game. And it seems like they're like, okay, well, we're just going to kind of live off the emotion and the happiness of Josh Harris taking over for Daniel Snyder. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think it's in either one of their natures, uh, in either one of their um, sort of makeup to, to, to just to be impulsive. And from the beginning, because they acquired the team late in the game, right? It was just a few days before training camp, so they couldn't make a move then. You know, you can't fire the coaching staff, uh, you know, when you're getting ready to go to training camp and you're two weeks away from a preseason game. So I think they went into this thing thinking they were going to sit back, they were going to watch, they were going to learn and that the real reset of the franchise would happen in early 2024. And I don't know that there's any benefit in firing Ron right now. You know, there may be some benefit, Matt, at the end, at the very end of the year to get a head start, um, but they're already talking to people. They have to be in terms of the direction they want to go in. I mean, it's over, you know, barring a, a miraculous run, which I don't think is in the cards, it's over for this group, but I, I don't know how they benefit from a midseason firing. Do you think Eric Bieniemy is going to be one of those people interviewed for the head coaching job? I don't know. Um, I, I, I mean, Eric Bieniemy, just like Sam Howes, had a very roller coaster year, but I think it should have been expected that they were going to have a roller coaster year. You know, it's a. It's, it's a new job for Sam Howell as a starting quarterback in the NFL. It was a new offense for him. Eric Bieniemy's obviously been an offensive coordinator, but he's never had this much responsibility as it relates to you know game planning and, and, and play calling. That's you got a title that he's never had before, assistant head coach. And you can see that it's been a learning process for him, too. Like right now, like I, I think the conversation about Eric Bieniemy as a head coach is so premature. He's still trying to figure out the offensive coordinator job, and he's admitted that. You know, he's like, "I'm learning uh, kind of on the job here." 
I mean, the week before, like if it's it's crazy about the NFL, and you and I both understand it because we bet it just how week to week it is in terms of what you think and how how drastically your opinions change. But would you have even asked me that question after the Giant game? Because that was a horrendous game plan offensively against the Giants. And then last week it was brilliant. So he's been up and down. Sam's been up and down. I think it should have been expected from the beginning. And what you'd like to see is just growth, growth, and then maybe at the end of the year, it's like, wow, this guy's really come into his own as, a, as an OC. The quarterback's really come into his own, and maybe we need to keep them together moving forward. And then, of course, there's the whole thing that comes out this week from Mike Florio that, of course, the commanders uh, see a shiny object, and they're interested in potentially making a run at Bill Belichick. Yeah, I don't, I don't think – I mean, Florio didn't really report it. It was more – He's hearing chatter about that. I don't buy it at all. I think Josh Harris uh, and this group, they're going to go out. They're going to try to hire a super sharp, analytically driven general manager. Let that person hire a super sharp, analytically oriented head coach uh, and staff. And I think that's the way it will go. With that said, I mean, the reaction from a lot of my listeners, like, no, we don't want Bill Belichick. I mean, really? You, you wouldn't want Bill Belichick? Maybe you don't want Bill Belichick, the head coach and general manager, because I think Bill Belichick, the personnel guys, let down the, you know, Bill Belichick, the head coach. But I, I just, I think it's a traumatized fan base after the last 25 years, and sometimes people don't think straight. I would be super intrigued with Bill Belichick if he were really still motivated to be a head coach to come in here and coach a team with a general manager, maybe of his choice. Um, but uh, I don't think it'll happen. Make sure to follow Kevin on Twitter, at Kevin Sheehan DC, and check out his podcast on Apple, Spotify, and more. What do you need to see from Sam Howell this season to potentially decide you're okay with him at least going forward next year, not even you know becoming the franchise quarterback? We've seen eight games, and we've seen a lot of things to be encouraged by. But we've also seen things to be concerned by. And the concern, um, you know, specifically as a drop back, a pure drop back passer, you know, five step, seven step drop, he doesn't see it. He doesn't throw with anticipation. And that's why it's one of the reasons the offensive line is part of it as well. Um, but it's a, it's a significant reason why he is on pace to shatter the NFL record for sacks taken in a season. Now, last week was great. And the, and the quick game and the screens and the rollouts, that's really the offense. I think that fits him best. Um, but eventually in this league, you know, third and nine, you got to drop back and you got to let receivers get downfield and you got to make a throw with anticipation. And he has not proven that he can do that consistently. And if you can't do that consistently, you really can't be an upper half kind of starter in the NFL. You know, you can be a big time backup, you can be a low end starter, but I want to see progress there. You know, it's kind of what he struggled with in college. It was probably the number one reason he fell to the fifth round was the understanding that he holds it too long. He doesn't see it as quickly. He doesn't throw with anticipation from the pocket um, as quickly. Um, his offensive coordinator, Phil Longo, who's at Wisconsin now, but was in Chapel Hill, told me when I had him on the show last winter. The best offense for Sam is West Coast, getting the ball out quickly, 
quick decisions, you know, get it in the, into the hands of, of, of his playmakers uh, and not have a pure drop-back offense. And I think we've seen that in the first eight games. So lots to be encouraged about. Uh, he can really sling it for sure. He's mobile. He's tough. He's gritty. But some concerns also. What are your thoughts on Sunday? Obviously, we know Bill Belichick has had a lot of success against rookie quarterbacks in the past. And obviously, this will be a road game for, for the Commanders. Yeah, I mean, Belichick has feasted on young quarterbacks. He, he confuses them. Uh, it's not a great New England team, obviously. And they've lost some of their key defensive players, including Matthew Judon. Um, who Washington won't have to face. Uh, they have no playmakers offensively, and they've got a quarterback who is, you know, average at best. Although, when you watch New England a little bit more closely, you realize it may be Mac Jones, but it's also the fact that he's got nobody to throw the football to. It's a winnable game. I mean, I never say about this team it's a game they should win because that's typically what the other fan base is saying about playing Washington, is that you should win this game. But um, it's certainly a winnable game, and I think the key is, you know, Sam can't make the mistakes against a coordinator that's going to try to provoke him. In an ideal world, would you rather this team make a playoff push or fall far enough that they could be in the Drake May-Caleb Williams area? It's a really good question. It's so in the midst of these seasons, I'm always about let's figure out how to win as many as we can and, and get to a postseason berth and be a part of one of the great times of the year in sports, you know, the NFL playoffs. Um, but at the same time, you know, the idea of Caleb Williams, you know, being in, in, in I mean, that's, that's a long way to go. I don't think they're going to end up in that position. They're just, they're not that bad. Um, you know, they're a middling team, maybe the low part of the middle, um, but they're just not, you know, a Caleb Williams number one overall pick kind of team this year. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think if they win Sunday, I'm going to be all on board with trying to go to Seattle and win to get to 500 and start thinking about, you know, can they get a seven seed? Last one for you. What's, uh, what's the chances for your Terps uh, this weekend against Penn State? Matt, I think they're good. I think Maryland's going to play really well tomorrow. And I've had them kind of figured out because I told everybody I thought Illinois could win that game two weeks ago. I gave out Northwestern as a, as a pick on my pick segment last week. But I love the Terps tomorrow plus the eight. And I think they'll, be, they'll compete and have a chance. Make sure to check him out on the Team 980 from 10 to 1 and check out the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast, Apple, Spotify, and other places, thekevinsheehanshow.com. Kevin, we always appreciate the time. Have a great weekend. Love to be with you, Matt. Thanks. All right, uh, that is uh, Kevin Sheehan. And yes, uh, Maryland is hosting Penn State this weekend. The line has dropped. It went it was open at 11. There's some eight and a halfs out there, some nines. Um, Kevin seems like one of those guys who, as he said, has a good pulse on his team. Me, I fade the Eagles every time, I feel like. I just never think they're as good as they actually are. Um, I also, like, you know, Syracuse, I would fade them. They're terrible at everything. And, like, all my teams, I'm more harder on my, which is rare and hard to believe. Like, everybody, I feel like, is a homer when it comes to betting on their teams. Oh, my team's always going to win. I'm the opposite. I think my teams are never going to win or at least never going to cover. Kevin seems like he's got his finger on the pulse. Um, I may have to look at Maryland a little harder. Obviously, I would never bet on the Ravens. You would, you would never bet on the Ravens? Never. So you're saying that they will not cover against Seattle this weekend? 
Uh, I have all the faith in the world they'll do what they need to do, but I wouldn't bet on it. Baltimore minus six against Seattle uh, this weekend. One of the few games that's good, and we'll have the two starting quarterbacks that are supposed to be there. Um, that's unfortunate. We we outsourced our best game to Germany at 9.30 a.m. in a contest that we all can't watch. Um, but Kansas City and Miami, KC minus two, total is 50 in that game. That'll be a 9.30 start time. So uh, good luck trying to find it. But apparently, PSA, and we'll break, um, apparently Red Zone is free this weekend. Go to your whatever, your cable network that has Red Zone. Apparently this weekend, just this weekend, Red Zone is free on Sunday. So if you have not checked it out, uh, you can certainly do so this weekend, and it is for free. All right, let's take a time out. We'll do one final segment, give you my thoughts on the schools that are in action this weekend. You're listening to 1061 ESPN. Big Al doesn't care how the duck is prepped. I don't care if he eats raw duck. Or what anyone thinks. I don't care about what he thinks. But he does care about what you do from 8 to 10 weekday mornings. So spend that time with him on 1061 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. It is a Friday. Again, you're set for the weekend. When we come back on Monday, we'll recap the weekend. We will preview the college basketball season, which will begin. That's exciting. Looking forward to uh, a little college basketball and cramming the crap out of the sport. Got to do a lot of research uh, as we get set for the uh, year ahead in college uh, basketball. All right, let me give you a quick rundown of my thoughts on the state schools uh, and their games. I'll start with the headliner, quote-unquote, Tech in Louisville. I just, I don't believe in either team. I really don't. I think Tech has gotten happy at home. I think they, I think their offense is figuring some things out. Um, you know, the Jalen Stroman injury could be large. We don't know. He's questionable. I don't know if he's going to play or not. Um, Louisville wants to run the ball with Jawar Jordan, and uh, there's another kid who's really good on their team that they run the ball. So that's been Tech's weakness of so far this season. I can see what Tim Murray's saying about taking Tech to cover. I think this one is either going to be really close or Louisville's just going to blow them out. I just think there's a chance that, you know, this is the same Louisville team that beat Notre Dame at home. Uh, look, if Tech can get the win, that would be great. Puts them in the driver's seat for second place. Of course, nothing is guaranteed. They have that road game at Boston College, which I would guarantee you they would lose if they win this game this weekend. Um, but look. Techs put themselves in the situation to get two more wins to be bowl eligible and a couple more wins and they could face Florida State in the ACC championship game. I mean, that's something we didn't think they were going to do when they started out the season losing to Marshall and losing to Rutgers and all this other stuff, losing to Purdue. Um, I don't think they're going to win, but I would not be surprised if they hang in there or get blown out. I don't think they're going to win, but I think they're... I, 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 there's a lot of outcomes that I, that would not surprise me in that game. Uh, I like UVA at home against Georgia Tech. I think UVA wins that game. I took the money line. Well, I gave out the money line because obviously we can't take it here. Uh, I just, you know, Virginia's played well the last two weeks. Georgia Tech has wins that are awesome and losses that are terrible. Georgia Tech has lost to Bowling Green at home. They lost to Boston College at home. They won at Miami and they won at Wake Forest. So, if you could tell me which Georgia Tech team is going to show up, I would love to know it. By the way, the statistic, the underdog is either won or covered every CW 2 o'clock game. That benefits Georgia Tech. But as Roddy Jones told us earlier in the week, Georgia Tech teams struggle in Charlottesville. So, I'm picking Virginia. I took them on the money line. JMU and Georgia State. Um, I think this is JMU's toughest game the rest of the season. 
I think they're going to give a little bit of a sleepy effort. I don't know if it occurs on offense or defense. I'm hoping it occurs on defense because I'm taking the over. I like the over 53 that's on DraftKings right now. Um, this These two played a 42-40 game last year in Harrisonburg. I'm not concerned about JMU's offense. There's no wind. There's no rain. There's no nothing. Georgia State's defense is not very good. Georgia State's offense is pretty good. And I'm a little concerned after the ODU game. That partially could be because of the speed ODU used uh, to get in and out of the huddle. I think this one's an over. I think Jamie wins. Of course, I'm not going to pick against James Madison, but I think there's a chance they don't cover this game. I, I think Georgia State makes it very interesting and very close. I think ODU beats Coastal Carolina. Uh, unless there's any sort of hangover residue from the Royal Rivalry loss last week, ODU's playing some good football. Coastal Carolina's defense is not good. Um, Coastal Carolina's a slight favorite. Their backup quarterback's playing once again. I think he's he's all right. He played well last week. Uh, I think ODU rides the momentum of a close loss to JMU and gets the win on Saturday. And then Liberty's going to win because... Their schedule is ridiculous. They're ridiculously bad. And, and Liberty's going to have to score points. Liberty is going to have to put up a lot of points in order to make it that people will pay attention to them. Uh, Six o'clock tomorrow, Liberty hosting Louisiana Tech. And that's our state schools that uh, in the FBS level, on the FCS level, William Mary's got to get a win at Albany if they hope to do anything uh, and make the playoffs. VMI is at East Tennessee State. Don't know too much about that game. And of course, Richmond is off this weekend. Thank goodness. That means I can relax uh, tomorrow and just watch a whole bunch of college football I'm not picking the, the commanders I'm picking the Patriots on Sunday I just I it's a tough road game tough road game and uh, I'm gonna hate watching any every moment of it because they both stink uh, thanks everybody for listening thanks to our guest Kevin Sheehan you can check out his website kevinsheehanshow.com Follow him on Twitter at Kevin Sheehan and uh, Kevin Sheehan DC. He does great work. And thanks to Tim Murray, as always. Uh, Fridays at 315 dispenses some words of wisdom with regards to gambling. Follow him on Twitter at one Tim Murray. Check him out on VSIN 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And of course, his college football betting podcast is on his Twitter page. Thanks to AJ for all his hard work. We'll be back on Monday talking college basketball and recapping the weekend from 3 until 4. You're listening to 1061 ESPN.